What is happening, party people, and welcome to another edition of Talking During Movies, where we take key moments and quotes from a film to drive a two-hour or so conversation, sometimes a little more, sometimes a little less. And today's show, man, I had the honor and the privilege to talk with Darren Herman. Uh, he is the CEO at Goboto and also has an amazing podcast, and he is the host of this podcast, which is Establishing Your Empire. I've had the privilege to be on his podcast he has, um, you know, taken one for the team and done this podcast. So uh, we've, uh, we've we've all made our sacrifices here, but we had a great time. We talked over office space, a lot of office politics, insights, thoughts, ideas. Uh, you know, the the origination of the red stapler uh, and how that became a, a marketing piece for, for the company. All sorts of cool stuff. This is it was a really, it was a true true pleasure to talk with talk with Darren. Uh, check him out and uh, his podcast as well. Please get back at us. Uh, Instagram at talking during movies or email us talking during movies podcast at gmail.com. So there it is. Now here's all the fun stuff you've been waiting for that wonderful uh, theme song by my dear friend, Bobby, my daughter singing about how she took a poop at the end and uh, how she pooped a big one to start this one off. So all the fun stuff that you need to get your day started, right? Love you guys. Be good. Stay safe, stay healthy and uh, enjoy the show. Recording. Welcome to Talking During Movies, my friend. Oh, thanks so much for having me. This is going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm going to do the screen share here uh, so that you can see what I'm going to see, which is going to be this right here. My wife was like, why, why aren't you guys doing this later? I was like, he's got kids. You can't do this later. <laughs> I can but, do it any time. Oops, hold on. Nah, nah, but I already did uh, open up. Which, which monitor I got here? There we go. Some... Budweiser Black Lager, never oh, had it before. A nice. friend of mine dropped it off at the house during, uh, just like uh, on Easter, uh, which was kind of fun, right? He just dropped it off without us knowing. And um, say Budweiser to signify friendship. Dude, like, I, I, I will drink to that. I like that, you know, uh, Budweiser, they're, uh, it's an interesting, they're in an interesting spot, right? Because they really have only had, can you see the screen by the way? I, I can, yeah. Awesome, okay. They're really in an interesting spot because um, when you think about it, they've only had two successful brands. Right. Bud and Bud Light. And everything else has kind of been a miss. Hope. Yeah, hope is like a lot of hopes. <laughs> You're like, and, oh, nope, that didn't work. It's, they, I mean, they announced their, uh, their seltzer water thing in January, it, it, it's the coldest time of the year. 
don't you want to wait till summer? You know, yeah. get, that, get that party going for that, that pool party going in the summer. And they're like, nah, we don't believe in calendars over here. <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of it too is they, I think sometimes they buy up brands just so, that, so they're buying up some competition, but I don't know. It, it's, you know, it's difficult because the measure of success is so, you know, it's so skewed when you have a brand like Budweiser that it's just so massive like most of these other brands, even if they're doing probably decently well, are just nowhere near the same level. True. And it's also, it's, it's skewed in the fact that people, you jump in, you're like, oh, it's Budweiser behind it. Yeah. It should. And you don't want it. Instant success. Global phenomenon. You've got all the marketing, all the shelf space in the world, and uh, it should give people hope. If anything, Budweiser's failures should give everyone hope. <laughs> it, sh- it really should. The, the true optimism, uh, optimistic viewpoint there. <laughs> it's funny. So, you know, it's, it's funny. We, uh, we don't, uh, we're not living in a world right now where we can commute. So seeing this traffic, which usually, for those that don't live in, listen, there's people who uh, listen to this in LA. We've got a fun list of, of, of people uh, from all around the world that listen. All of us have traffic problems except for now. Where was in, well, first of all, did you, have to, did you ever have to go into like an office job, like drive in? and? Yeah, yeah. So I had, it was only about 20, 30, 20, 30 minutes at, at first. And I moved to Austin in 2009, uh, 2008. Um, and then I moved from the apartment I was at to a house in probably 2010 or 11. And that was an hour each way, at least. And uh, that uh, I truly believe you cannot be happy with the hour commute that has traffic. It'd be fine if you just drive an hour with just, you know, being able to zone out or whatever. But mm-hmm. um, I think you can be pretty happy, but I, I truly believe that if your commute is that long, you'll, you will not reach the pinnacle of your happiness uh, level that you could. It's just too much. It's, it's brutal. It weighs on you no matter what. And, and, and I'm somebody that can find a lot of fun with that. You know, uh, listen to comedy. If I do it again, I would definitely like learn a language or something because you have all this time spent. <laughs> but, um, you know, it just, it, it eats at you every day. It does because there, there never seems to be a solution. I mean, I did, I've done the reverse commutes uh, where I've zipped by all the traffic each time, but I've also done, I mean, I was living in Newport Beach, California, and I was commuting to an office in downtown LA. So I was getting up at four in the morning. I had to leave by 4.30 because if oh. I left at 4.45, then I miss my window. Yeah. So I, I, used to rem- I used to remember that, because uh, I would just analyze everything, that like a- a- after 7.15, every minute later, or 7.10, every minute after 7.10 was two minutes extra. So say I left at 7.10, I'd get to work right at, right at 8. If I left at 7.11, I got there at 8.02, right? Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so... Uh, you know, it, it was one of those things where you had to be on, you had to like get out of that, get out, you know, you had to get out of there because you were just exponentially becoming late every minute that you were late. Yeah, and it's weird. And then the, the mentality is the reverse, right? Because then you don't want to be necessarily stuck in traffic going home. So you'll stay at work later. Oh, all the time. Yeah, I would. Heck, I, I built a business because at 4 p.m. I decided to shut down my day job, close my office door and <laughs> work on my uh, side gig. And I would stay for till seven or eight be like the only one left because uh, then I wouldn't have to do traffic. I like it. I, w- I had one um, 
I was in uh, the Bay Area in uh, Palo Alto. And we all had keys to the office because we had international clients. So you could, I mean, you could come in at any time. And it was kind of cool. I didn't have a place to live when I moved there. So they got me a hotel for the first two weeks and I still couldn't find a place. This is dot-com boom. Could not find a place to live. So I tipped the housekeeping people, the people, the cleaning service that would come in and clean out the fridge and do all the stuff to leave our CEO's door unlocked because he was a runner and he had a shower in his office. Oh, nice. And so I slept there. I lived at that office for two months. For two months, I was the last wow. person to leave. I was the first person there. They thought I was the hardest worker. I was getting stuff done. <laughs> uh, the vice president had this big, beautiful, like 10 foot long leather couch. I slept on that couch. And then I would wake up at five in the morning. I'd take a cold shower because I didn't want steam and condensation. I wanted him to know that anyone was in there. He thought it was just wet because they cleaned his shower every night. And boom, dude, I was, I was, I was living there living until I got caught. Yeah. Until you get caught. That's the problem. And then, and then what, you know, then you feel stupid, but it's like, literally like, what else do you want me to go to a hotel? I mean, yeah. I mean, the hotels were booked. It was, you know, the, the head of HR, she let me live with her for another month, uh, her and her son at their apartment. And then I finally found a, a place, you know, I finally got a room, but I mean, the competition was so fierce. You'd see something be like, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to go check this out. Like, sorry. I mean, I'm on the way there in a cab and they're like, it's already been rented. Yeah. I was like, son of a bitch. But the traffic up there was crazy too. I mean, that was just, all of it was crazy. And it seems like in everyone, it, like it didn't die down. The craziness shifted a little bit, but that fervent energy you know, that, that, that itchiness, if you will, that, that it's, it's like an office space. It's, it's a motive, you know, it's anger and people are frustrated. Right. And it's yeah. the doldrums. Um, and it seems like we've shifted that part into almost a pride in it. I'm like, how late do you work? You know, what's your side hustle? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think that is funny about the, the work, how hard you work. And, and like, it's kind of, it's almost very similar to just show off how much money you have. Cause I feel like everyone in the middle, like tries to act like we work so hard and same with everyone in the middle tries to act like they have all this money, you know, outliving their means, bigger house, nicer car or whatever, uh, nicer watch. And then the people up top are like, yeah, I try to work as least as possible. Right. Those are the people. <laughs> and then they try to act like they're not rich at all. Right. Yeah. So I think we got this, something's the wires across here a little bit somehow. Um, Cause I, I used to be in jewelry, like high end diamonds and the, the richest people, they were not rolling up in a super amazing car. They were always a nice enough car. And you know, they, they try to downplay it the whole time. And then they'd come and buy like a five carat diamond from it, you know? Uh, but uh, the, the person who could barely afford a one carat was rolling in and, you know, a brand new Land Rover or something. <laughs> what do you, the, uh, you know, the, and I like your insight on this from the workforce and all the people that you, real, real quick, before we, before I ask this question, tell people where they can find you on social media and tell a little bit about your podcast. Cause we're going to get down a rabbit hole here and I'm going to forget. Yeah, exactly. So by the way, my, my name is Darren Herman. Um, so I have a couple companies. My main one's Gobato and it's a marketing company. I do a lot of e-commerce stuff, been doing that forever. Uh, 
but so on, on Instagram, I'm at colored lion and colored lion is a photo video company I've had since 2009. So it's much, probably the most fun to follow me is there because it's much more creative. Um, my Twitter's at Darren, which is D A R A N. Uh, I was a very early, uh, person who started going on Twitter. Number two. Uh, yeah, yeah, pretty much. How <laughs> you get your first name. Um, but yeah, it's, and then, and then um, I'm all over the place too, but I, I would say Instagram at Colored Lion is probably the most fun to follow me on. And then I have a podca- podcast that Jason was on and we, we had a great episode. It's called Establishing Your Empire. Basically, it's uh, interesting, interesting people doing interesting things. Everyone from entrepreneurs to uh, musicians. I've had a film director on there. Um, basically telling their stories of how they got started, what they're going to do next, what they're doing now. Uh, lots of tidbits. It's a little bit more long format, hour, hour 15, something like that. Uh, and we kind of go down whichever direction we can go, trying to give a lot of uh, value along, along the way. It's been a, a blast on my side. Um, and uh, it's very painful. I edit all the episodes myself and I'm like, oh my God, I need to work on so many things. Uh, but uh, it's been fun. Yeah, you do. I mean, you do a really beautiful job. It's, uh, I'm glad you, you lowered your standards to come on this because the editing on this is audacity, right? It's, it's uh, my daughter saying, I pooped a big one. It's my buddy who wrote a, a theme song talking during movies. And then it just jumps right into this. And then uh, at the end, it's my daughter singing about the first time she took a poop by herself. I mean, this but is see, my- there's, there's a beauty in that too. So, um, <laughs> you know, I actually think there's a problem with perfection sometimes of the way, you know, like since I have a photo video company, I almost slow, it was much slower to get started for me because I think, oh, I need to have this, I need to have it filmed and I need to have multiple camera angles and I need the audio to be perfect. And we go down that route and at the end of the day, just it's all about content. Um, so I had to do, you know, I think we all, all have to like meet in the middle someplace, but there's, there's a lot of people that like, I mean, I love the intro song. It's a little fun. It's quite fun. Um, Thank you. <laughs> I was wondering if that was you or not. Yeah. That, that answers it. That- no, it's my buddy. He's got a, actually, he's got a, he's a super talented, super, super talented uh, uh, musician and he's got a band. Uh, they are Bad Bird Music. Uh, you can find them on Instagram and, and they, they, they were doing shows here in Austin and He's got a private studio at his house. I've used it sometimes for uh, high-end guests or celebrity guests that have come on. I take them there instead of into a dive bar because, you know, like I did Tim Kennedy and Tim's like, I don't want to be walking into a bar in the middle of the afternoon. Uh, it's not my scene. I'm like, how about this That's private awesome. studio? And he's like, yeah, private studio. <laughs> he was probably like, do you have a gym we can go into? Oh, yeah. It, that was, yeah. I was like, hey, listen, <laughs> let's do this, but can you do a thousand pushups? I'm like, damn it. <laughs> I got 10, Tim. I got 10. So, you know, uh, office space, and there's a lot of hard left turns and all of this. Um, office space though, I'd like to get your insights because I think this is important because we live in this, you know, Austin's this hip, cool area. We've got all these great companies theoretically, and you've got good jobs and bad jobs and the job. And sometimes the culture is dependent on the person and what makes it work. But you see the, the dark side of this, of this, these people that just don't like being there and they're just, they're theoretically just making rent, right? And they're not happy. And I'm wondering at an executive level, do you think companies know or care when they look across that cubicle farm that if people are happy or not, do they really care? Uh, Yes and no. I think a lot of times they do not care. I think it's more times than, than the not, but also, you know, that's not their, that you can argue that that's not their job either, you know? So there's a lot of, 
different directions I can take what you just asked there. So office space, one of the reasons why it's this cult classic, it's because it's somewhat real and a lot of times real. Like, you know, I've worked in cubicles. I had a, I, I did help desk for Southwestern Bell Internet and compact computers in high school. Like, and, and then I've, I've had a job that was supposed to be a, you know, a real job that was somewhat similar to this too with cubicles and, and everything. So I think a lot of people take jobs like that because you got to fill the hierarchy needs. You got to have a paycheck to make rent. And they might internally strive for more, but a lot of times that's enough, good enough, and they keep doing it and they feel like there's no purpose, there's no life, you know, and that can just beat you down. And I think that's what this film captures. The other part of your question about do, do companies know it? I definitely think so. They're, if they don't know it, like that is a completely disconnected executive team. And uh, there's probably a company that is only caring about how they can change their stock price and not caring about culture or the future of their company. And they're probably in the whole scheme of time, they're going to fail because maybe it might be 10, 15 years, but like if you don't have the pulse on just your floor, I, that's terrible. And if they if they say they don't, they're lying. <laughs> um, and I, just, I think a lot of companies don't care. They, they, uh, you know, the contract is, the, is for somebody to do X, Y, and Z. And if they're happy, that's on them. And is that, is that good or bad? I think it's bad, but is it their obligation? I'm not, I'm not sure on that. I could be swayed one way or another for sure, but I'm not so sure that's the company's job to make you happy at your job. But what do you think? Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I, I agree with you that um, I don't, I would never believe someone who looked at, uh, let's say, uh, a cubicle farm and just thought everyone was happy to be there. Uh, I think that we need to, as a society, as, as workers, as people, uh, we need to do a better job of being inspirational around others so they can be inspired. Uh, sitting down and and going through the motions and being like, yeah, but here's the 401k at the end of the, the tunnel and here's your pension or here's this, or here's that, but you're miserable for 20 years. You have to think about what that misery doesn't just do to you, right? It, it's what it does to everyone around you. And it's that energy and everyone's like, yeah, but you can't have, um, it's not a utopian society and it's not, you're gonna have good and bad days. However, some people love being the garbage person. They like it. They like the. They like driving the big truck. They like going around cleaning stuff up. They like it. Okay, and they're going to make a lot more money in the future. Like services, are are that's going to just keep going up as long as it doesn't get automated, which some stuff will and some won't. And you're way more uh, into that field than me. But also, you know, and and I guess I do want to expand slightly on my point because it might come off come off wrong. My thought was, in general, I don't think it's companies should be forced to make the companies happy. I think that if I ran a company with a cubicle farm, that it'd be an opportunity for me to, for, to make my employees happy. And that's what we've seen with a lot of tech companies is saying, well, wait a second, we're going to make our employees happy because they're more productive. And we're mm -hmm. seeing it in the actual financial numbers. You know, my brother works for Indeed and they have some amazing places, free lunch. I can come in there anytime I want and have lunch with my brother for free all the time. And, and you know, so I think there's opportunities in these areas. Some people don't, some executives don't care and they're going to probably lose because of that because the executives that do care are going to get the better talented people 
They're going to get people that stay a lot longer because it's very expensive to train somebody. And, um, you know, it, it is a shift because I think office space was a perfect time. You know, it's right at the dot-com era. And, it, you know, I think this whole, you know, 20 years later, right, it's still this way a lot of times. But I think it will be a moment in time a little bit. I think people will reject this eventually. It just takes 50 years to do it, right? Yeah, and, you know, and I'll elaborate a little bit as well, right? And that is, you know, is this good for the company? That's the slogan up there. And, and I would say that it's also, as an, it's, it's not the company's job to make you happy at your job. I just, I don't, I don't think it is. However, I think it is your job as an employee, if you're getting paid, to do the work. And you have mentally, you have the ability to figure out some port of enjoyment in it. And if it is that bad, um, you have the power and the ability these days to, to work towards finding a new job, to network and find. You, you have to make those efforts, though. I, I think what people get miss in office space, what they miss in real life is, well, this sucks, but it's so hard to find a job, or this is all I know what to do, or, well, you're creating the darkness around you. You're creating that environment. And, you know, whether it's Indeed or, you know, a Loan Depot, which is just a, you know, the second largest non-banking lender in the world, whatever it is, at some point, you also have to take ownership of you. I completely agree. And uh, the woe is me people are the, like, that's the people I just can't, like, I'm really good to be around a lot of people. I just can't, I can't do it. Like, I, those are tough for me. By the way, is, 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 is the movie playing on your screen? Yes. Okay, I'll play it locally. What, what time are you at? Because it, it's just frozen on, 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 uh, on yours. Yeah, so just, uh, I, I have it up. Sure, oh. I am, uh, uh, just jump it 1857, up. yeah. So actually, you might be on a different screen because I can see that now. 1902. I wonder, like, I wonder if it's because I moved my cursor off of it and it... Um, so it's all good. I, I, I have it up in another window here too. So oh, you, perfect. Here, I'll, I'm going to take leave. it off. I'm going to stop the share then because that'll clean up our quality. Yeah, 1912 bit. looks like. Yeah, yeah 1917, 1912. Yeah, we, we might be a second off, but I think it's going to be close enough. Perfect. Uh, good enough for government uh, work. That's right. Well, I love this intro of them driving too. the, the commute. That's probably <laughs> it's so good. It is. I mean, that, that really is. And there's... You know, the, uh, the manager, the sales floor manager, right? He's, he is that guy. And I don't think there's a good or a bad thing with that guy as much as the power you give that guy. Well, and not to jump ahead of the movie, but I'm no, sure please go ahead. Like you can see his power be deflated later on when, uh, gosh, what's the main character's name here? I'm, I'm blanking. Um, just doesn't care, Peter. Yeah, Peter. Yeah, just stops caring eventually, and that just kills everything. Right, as soon as he, the apathy kills uh, Lumberg's power. Mm -hmm. No, absolutely. And ju just to do a time check here, are we at twenty oh eight something, some of that vicinity. Yeah, I'm twenty ten. We're two perfect. seconds off. Yeah, awesome. Perfect. That's great. So yeah, it is. It is a. This, uh, this is the best, by the way, right here. Oh, <laughs> what's happening? Guys, and just, I remember getting an email. So I worked at this PR firm in the Bay Area and uh, we would all take a break at the same, we were allowed a break. And so we'd go take a break at the same time. Three o'clock in the afternoon, we'd walk up to the store, all five of us on the team, we'd get a soda or a candy bar or something, right? And walk back. 
and the CEO sent an email and he goes, you can't take breaks together anymore. I don't want you all hanging out. That's crazy. I was like, what? And, and then it's like, oh, and you can't all go to lunch together because, and his, his theory was, is that he wanted someone there in case the phone rang. But oh, he was, sure. He was so lost in the PR world that he really believed that reporters just called us all the time asking for news tips. Well, or <laughs> let's look at the actual problem. Let's just have one person stay behind. Like, yeah. I mean, you guys can rotate that. that. That's different than saying you guys can't all go together. One yeah. person has to stay on the phone or do a call forwarding or whatever it might be. And, uh, he, and he also he didn't want to pay for our cell phones. So it right. was, you know, it's like, hey, because one kid brought it up, one little asshole brought it up and was like, if you want me to give clients my cell phone number, you have to pay for my cell phone bill. Sure, which is correct, though. If, which is correct. And if you're going to not forward a number, I'm okay with having it where I, like, it forwards, but, like, if I'm giving my number out, like, no, that's not, that's my number. Yeah, I own it. And it's funny, like, all of people be like, oh, uh, what's your uh, cell phone number? And we'll put it on this press release. And I'm like, okay, well, here's my bill. I'm like, sure. what? I'm like, no, no, it's, I mean, now you're putting it on a press release. Now mm. that's going out over the wire. Now every Tom, Dick, and Harry that wants to sell us something is going to email okay. and call and yeah. <laughs> it's going to get relentless. I, I have to j jump back to the movie. This, this yeah. cast, this is, so I don't know how much you file Mike Judge, but, um, you know, he threw together this cast kind of quickly too, but, um, and this is filmed mostly in Austin and a little bit in Dallas, Texas, but this cast is unreal. Like the, like this, 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 uh, psychotherapist, mm -hmm. like this, he does such a good job. He's going to, he has his heart attack here in a second. <laughs> Just, but the acting quality is so good. What do you think it is about Mike judge and what he brings that, that he captures that others don't? Well, so there's a few things. One, I think he's a great storyteller, but that's obvious to me. At, especially in 1999, he had he had fu money, so um, he can and he can make movies for a dime. So he, you know, this is like a 10 million dollar budget film, and he doesn't need the money. He just probably needs the distro network. Mm -hmm. So like he doesn't have to take notes from anybody. And I, and I'm kind of in this business a little bit, not this much. I have friends that are much more in the business of, of, you know, directors and producers and I've produced some stuff and directed plenty of music videos and stuff, but, um, like he makes it his way with his people and he's able to not have a suit, tell him what to do, which can be helpful too. But like literally he's just, he does it. That's the way he, he can, he can do it without the oversight. You brought something in and it's interesting because to me, the most successful people, continually successful, not one hit wonders, but continued success. They have one thing in common, whether it's Robert Rodriguez, Henry Linkletter, is that who, is it that? Yeah, uh, oh. Richard, uh, Richard uh, Linkletter, yeah. Linkletter, uh, Mike Judge, Joe Rogan. But what do they got in common? They don't have a suit telling them what to do. What is it about entertainment and suits that quite literally get in the way. Of well, because they they want to. Sorry for cutting you out there. They they want to bet on a winner. So in order to do that, what do you do? You bet on what has won beforehand. You use exact formula that has worked in the past. 
Now the problem with entertainment and creative uh, works like this is as a viewer, we, we kind of don't want that. We want something new and different. Mm-hmm. We want something that maybe isn't got the best special effects or whatever. We want a story. I don't need the, you know, they have Jennifer Aniston in here, but she really wasn't doing movies. And uh, I watched the behind the scenes, like this kind of perfect movie because I watched behind the scenes like a month ago. And she, like even my judge was saying, well, I didn't expect what that brought to the film. There was so much more commotion that he kind of didn't want. He kind of wanted it to be this indie film that just kind of happened. Um, so I think it's just like, and there's, it still works to be fair that they're still picking a lot of winners. It's just that, you know, if you want something new and different, like you're probably not going to be able to do that with somebody who's going to have to hedge their bet against you. Right. Yeah. But also you do something new and different and it works. And then the suit wants you to do something new and different as long as it's the same new and different of what you did earlier because it worked. Yeah, and I think we're seeing that a lot with Netflix to where like they, they kind of just bet on people and then they stepped away from it. And uh, they bet on people and they don't write a script. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, they, they, just, they just said, okay, here you go, here you go. And then you see now how all the amazing content and awards that Netflix was winning. And I don't know where it's at now, but when Netflix was a little more, uh, you know, they were a younger company, like from what a lot of the creators were saying, that it was kind of basically like show us when you're done type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, wasn't we're going to step over you the whole way. Now, I'm sure that they're bigger, that it's changed and the money's bigger and all that. But, um, and I think that's why we saw this explosion of great content through Netflix for a period of time is because they just basically were funding but not um, hovering over people. Sure. No, and, it's, and Amazon is, you know, they're, they're catching up on that good content. Not necessarily, I mean, and then their movies, they, they're, it's a little slower process, it seems like, whereas Netflix is almost like a shotgun. You know, it'll be a, a, an action movie and then a drama and then the Ozark and then Tiger King. And they've just got, they hit horror, thriller. They hit everything that they can each month, something new, and one of them sticks. Well, but, you also got to think, I mean, like Amazon's got 40 million things. I mean, AWS is one of the most powerful things in the whole world, Amazon Web Services. Like, how, what where does media fit like are they they're like what number seven in the company right whereas netflix that's all they got right like, yeah you're complete and utter focus not saying that amazon's not doing a good job it just it's tough i mean like are you going to get your ceo's attention every single day yes on netflix no on amazon that's true that's true it's uh oh. it's, it's it's interesting it'll be um i find it i find both of those you know, fascinating because Netflix really bought into comedy as well. Uh, but also, yeah. unlike Net- Amazon, Netflix never shares their numbers with their stars. You just get a check. Interesting. And, and that's it. And they're like, how did I do? And they're like, here's your check. <laughs> Would you like to do another one? And, and that's, that's interesting because as a marketer, the most powerful thing you have is your numbers, is your data to show where things are moving and trending and what's happening. And when they hold all of that, it, that for a comic, a, you know, who really is a self-employed person, that is, that's ultimately just, you know, they, have, they have no bear, they have no litmus test at all, how successful it was, how many people watched from the first five minutes, and I'll, I'll say it's an hour and five minutes long. Even on my podcasts, I can see where people drop off. Yeah, oh, completely. 
I love that. So, uh, you know, this is so hard because this, this is such a great, another great scene. I know, it's such a great, you, so jump wait, in wait. anytime. This, this yeah, is hard no, left turns. I, I, Don't I worry about that. it. Yeah, I know. So, well, but I want to actually speak to what you're saying. So, so I think data is huge for a marketer. And another thing is huge is being able to tell your, what you do in a very powerful way. If you can't say what you do in 10 seconds, like you're going to struggle. So now this is in the middle of a company, which is also very powerful to tell what you do. Like, you know, what is, what is it you say that you do here, right? Like you, you should be able to say that what you currently do in your job and what you've done in your previous jobs in a one to two or three sentence, you know, it's, they always say the elevator pitch, which is still kind of a true, but you know, if you can't clarify what you're doing, like, I think actually the question's fantastic. What is it you say that you do here? Like, yeah. seriously, he was obviously redundant. Um, and it just, I love these bobs because, Especially, uh, guy, I don't know the actor's name because I'm terrible with actors, but uh, if, we're, if we're watching the guy on the left who's more famous, right? Yes. He always like has something like a, they, they call it a, a pull up his ass, right? Because he always kind of comes up and, you know, like he's going to like attack somebody. Um, and my judge said when he was, uh, when he was um, called him about the role, he's just like, I. The, the actor said, I just can't wait to go on these fuckers. I'm going to get them hard. I'm going to go, I'm going to go so hard on these guys. <laughs> Dude, that's all. And, but it is true. Like my boss put out a, a note to everybody. He goes, Hey, what do you guys do for the company? What are you doing? What are you working on? And it was interesting because a lot of people were hesitant to push it out. And I, within 10 minutes, I had an email to him. Like, Here you go. Yeah. He's like, okay. Overachiever. Easy. And I'm no. like, well, I know what I Practice. do. I just, I know what I do and this is what I'm working on. This is what I'm doing. This is what I'm working on. And this is the three and six month plan. And if this di diverges in any way from what you want to see me do now, you know, and you can look well, a week later and go, Jason's now working on this. And you can ask me where the status is instead of asking me what I'm doing. And, and it's, the, it's so powerful because look, somebody's going to ask you that question. Do you want it to be a prepared statement or do you want it to go whatever comes out of your mouth? Cause you're going to say something. Yeah. If you've worked on it, you might even say it without realizing it, but you're going to say this prepared, somewhat prepared, you know, it's, you're just going to hit some highlights. Right. But if you're not prepared to say what you do here, you know, you don't know what's coming out. What you don't know what you're going to say. Mm -hmm. That's um, very true. What, what do you so think it, about, you know, so, sorry, but, uh, no, when it, the, uh, the poke at TGIF Fridays, and kind of this, because they've got really judges poking at two cultures, right? And they're both forced cultures. I mean, that's one of the, the beauty of this movie in my mind is in the world of the dot-com boom and culture is king and we're awesome and look at what we do. He's really saying, that's not culture. You're forcing an ideal onto a group of people hoping to show something that does not embrace who they are, what they do, or what they're about. Well, one culture you can't you can't say this is the culture we're going to have, and it happens. <laughs> culture is what is there already, so so that's kind of the point of the force culture. So uh, and this was actually so he plays the manager, by the way, Mike Judge does, yep. and um, so he, this was off of a real experience, like going to a TGIF Fridays or whatever it was, and like just looking at. A manager that thinks he's got all this power because he's a little manager at a little shop, right? And just oppressing people underneath them at, at whether you're at a 
$5 an hour role or you're the higher end programmer or low end program, I guess, at the Inatech. But that's, you know, they were probably making good money, you know, the Inatech people. So it shows that you can be oppressed and degraded at any level of society, I think, too. And yeah. it's so smoothly done It's because it's done in the background, right, the whole mm -hmm. time. No, it's in the background. It's interesting because you're, you're constantly, you know, you're just, you're, you're seeing these jabs at who they are, you know, at business and just at the idea of how you treat people a little bit or, or maybe how you don't treat people, right? Or how you shouldn't treat people from the quirkiness of the red stapler, uh, you know, which we're seeing here. And like, My red stapler, this is, it's mm -hmm. mine, you know, and, and it's just, it's, it's like they don't let him have that quirkiness. It's, it's very interesting. It's, 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 this movie really fascinates me because I don't, I mean, this is a movie I think people and executives are always like, hey, read my book, or you need to read these three books to work here. You need to watch Office Space if you want me to work here. Like, <laughs> Actually, when I was in college, so I was a leadership major with a corporate emphasis, which is basically business, but a little bit more of a people approach. Um, and the, I was a smaller college, D2 school, but luckily, the, basically our kind of the dean of that school leadership studies, he wrote all the books for all the minors at big schools and stuff like that. So it was actually a really good program. And um, we watched this for one of the classes. And he says, there's like, actually, there's, there's like um, seven habits of highly effective uh, managers or whatever the book is, is in uh, Lumberg's office or whatever. You, there's a lot of little subtle things like that, too, that, that shows that, like, they were reading these books, but yet, like, it just was lost on them, right? <laughs> it, it didn't actually apply anything. Um, and by the way, that red stapler, the swing line did not have a red stapler, but they had so many people uh, asking for it that they finally made a red stapler. And it, it's to, to at least when the behind the scenes was, was out, it was their number one selling uh, color. Really? Yeah. They, there was no red stapler. They, only, they painted it red. And they, there was three of them. And that actor who is now in the uh, fantastic show Barry on HBO. Oh, um, so good. So good. Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't believe it was the same guy. But my wife is like, that's the same guy. And I'm like, no way. And it's, we looked it up and it definitely is. But um, anyway, he stole, he stole one of those red staplers from the set. From the set. How, do you think companies just get pissed? They're like, hey, guys, whoa, 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 whoa. We don't make a red stapler. What are you doing? I mean, you're in PR. How amazing <laughs> would that be? You want to put my name with a new product and you're going to test it for me? You literally... Or having people call you for a new product that you can easily make. I would love that. If they're upset, that, you know, that's their own fault. I would, that would be, that's the best of the best, right? You literally just product tested and came up with my new uh, product for me. I would hope so. But I know too many companies that are so in the rut of what they right. do or what they want to do. And they're just, they're driven in one direction. Like, ah, boy, we really like black. And we've got that silver one. Not on brand. Not, not on brand. brand. Do you see the brand book? Do you see red in the brand book? <laughs> no, the no, no? It's, not, it's not in the guidelines. Ah, I'm going to have to pass. It's a good idea. <laughs> Those are always the best conversations when you challenge some, a company to grow or be better or do something different because they hire you to grow, be better, and do something different because the things that they're doing aren't working. I'm like, all right, you should try these things. Hey, that's just uh, not on brand. Well, brand's not working, champ. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. 
why did you call me again? Yeah. Did you just call me to feel good. Do you want me to come in here and just say all the good things you're doing? And then it's because of some other reason. Oh yeah. It's, it's hilarious. I, I had a friend reach out to me and in the industry that she's in and all this stuff. And she's talking about, Oh, we want to do X, Y, and Z. I go, Oh, you have a marketing and a, a brand person. You know, you're buying ads already. Well, we don't like our ad spots. Oh, well, you have to pay more for different spots. Well, we don't have a different budget. Well, what's your customer acquisition cost? I don't know. Well, how long does it take from someone when they see an ad or when you're doing marketing to when they call so that you know which ad worked or which one didn't? Uh, I don't know. Oh, hey, did you know that um, KVU during this time has, you know, the weather hour that they teach people about weather, the hot, the cold, and you know, running your AC, run your heater, all this energy stuff as well? No. So you're in all of this industry. You want to be a part of it, but you don't even watch TV to do it. And they're like, no. Right. I was like, oh, I can't help you. <laughs> yeah, this, this is going to be uphill battle. I, I'll, you know, and I, I do, try, I, you know, and I'm sure you do too, but you try so hard. Uh, and, and that I always think this is something that's interesting as being, you know, I, I've done a lot of consulting over the years, done a lot of my own business stuff. So you have to sell yourself as well as other things. It's really hard to sell twice, right? And that mm -hmm. environment, you're going to have to sell yourself, but also you have to sell like the process that you're, you're suggesting or the, the different direction that you're suggesting. That's, that's tough to sell twice, right? Yeah. But that, you know, that in order to be a change agent, you kind of have to, uh, if they need that heavy change. Yeah. And they, you know, they've, and they've got to, they've got to want the change just like anything, you know? Um, and I'll bring it back to, to the work environment. You know, uh, Stan sitting here, you don't have enough flare points. I look at, look at him over there, smile. He's lit up. He's got, where are your flare points? She just doesn't want to be there. There's, there's no amount yeah. of selling you can do to the Jennifer Aniston character that's going to make her put a bigger smile on her face and have flare points. It just doesn't exist. Yeah, and even if you paid her more, that, that, that's a short-term motivator. I mean, that would ha happen. That would be great, and she'd be great for 10 days maybe even three months if you're lucky, but eventually as soon as that pay just keeps on coming for a while, it's over, right? You know, if you, if she doesn't, it's not a fit for her and that manager or that job. Right. And I always like to say, I like to de-hire as fast as possible. Like if it's not a fit, if we're not going to change probably, probably time to part ways one way or another. And it makes for better business. The honesty and the stepping away before it goes sour. And, and, and that, that also, I've always found, it's like, hey, if you're not happy here, that's okay. Like I've had corporate jobs. I'm not great at them. It's putting me in an office and just, you know, I, I just, I consume information differently. I mean, I, once a month I was flying back to California for work and I'd be in the office and the boss would tell me, he'll have come in at 7 a.m. I had a key. I'd be the first one in there last one to leave because I'm there. I don't have anything else to yeah. do. You're going to work, yeah. I'm, I'm there to work, work. And he would be like, you can work from the hotel if you want to. You know that, right? I mean, he's just, he goes, Jason, you're just, you are an energy. You come in, you're wide awake. People are kind of strolling in. You say good morning to everybody. I'm like, yeah. He goes, yeah, it's just, no one else does that. So it's so different in the energy is so different in here when you're here. I'm like, is that a bad thing? He goes, no, no, it's a good thing, but I need to pace it out. Some of the other people, it's just, it's, 
They're like, I can't keep up with him. It's intimidating. And they're complaining about you being you. Not in a bad way, in a you're making me look bad way. And I just laughed. I was like, well, I mean, fire those people? I don't know. How, how, I mean. <laughs> it's tough. So in my last corporate job, which I worked for uh, Aero Electronics, which is a massive 20, like $8 billion company, um, all, you know, 17,000 employee type of thing. And I was uh, their director of e-commerce because they, per- they, they purchased a company I used to work for, which was more of a small, medium company. It's, it's probably a more medium-sized company. And um, I came from like, let's double, triple, quadruple mm-hmm. to like the arrow mentality was like, let's look good internally, not mess up and grow 2%. And that was really tough for me. What I regret in that position was not leaving because I knew almost like three months in, like this was a different, this was not the pace that I liked. So my regret was I stayed for two years trying to make it work. Good job, good paying job, you know? Um, and it just got worse and worse and worse to where I eventually got apathetic and I probably had, was better internally with the apathy, but that was like, that was like death to me. Like the worst thing ever was to slow down and be careful and look, you know, make sure that everything is done right. So that internally everyone, excuse me, everyone looks good internally. Um, as opposed to like what our customers care about and what sales are. <laughs> uh, I probably explained it incorrectly, but man, that was tough for me. That, that just a different corporate fit that did not work. And I wish I would have, I knew it right away and I wish I would have left right away because it basically wasted two years of my life. But that wasted because I learned a lot still, but uh, you know. But time's the one thing we don't get back, right? Exactly. So could you have learned that same stuff somewhere else and really enjoyed or embraced you know, who you are as a person and what you wanted to accomplish while not feeling like time or anything was wasted. He has gotten a fish right there. I, mean, I know, right? I love the tan line. Oh, completely. Like, so um, to me, I, the learning was too slow. I think that was actually the problem was like, yeah, I could have learned that somewhere else, but I probably in probably that two years ago, learned in a month, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Do you, um, could you ever envision going back to an office? Yes. Um, I was at, my wife asked me this question not too long ago. Uh, we did a, uh, a podcast here at the house that we haven't released yet, kind of a, as a backup in case they run out of people, right? That when I was virtually. Um, so yes, but it, it would have to be uh, more of a growth company, a more modern company. I think Arrow was just a little old school. You know, they were very slow and old and that, that's what worked for them. Um, so yeah, I think I, I, I could definitely go, uh, is it something I'm going to be looking for right now? Probably not. Uh, but I, I could definitely envision myself there's, so I think large companies, what they have is they have a lot of fuel. So if you have an idea or a pocket of that company, they can really, they can really push your idea or what you're working on much further than, than other companies, than a small company can. But, uh, there's a lot of negative effects to a big company too so it's a give and take course no it's that's very true it's funny i will um i've gone in between consulting and working for companies working remotely and you know what i like more and i love the common marketplace of ideas that everyone 
comes into a room from marketing and PR to biz dev to sales, and they all see the, the dollar bill at a different angle. But that, that if you approach it the right way, whether it's small or large, and instead of trying to get your point across, right, you're trying to learn their pain points to help solve them. It is, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Because one of the hardest things being consultant is, is your answer is the answer, right? It's like, well, I hired you to get the answer. Why are you asking me all these questions? Just give me the answer. And that, that evolution process of a full-time employee where they not only invest in you and want you to learn, but they don't necessarily want the answer as much as they want your insights to be a part of the solution. Yeah, and I also think that, you know, uh, uh, working for a, a company, like, you know, office job, perhaps, whatever you want to call it, a corporate job, maybe corporate job is the best way to put it, is you get to specialize a little bit more, um, you know, especially where my company's a size that, that I have to do a lot of hats, and that's awesome sometimes. <laughs> you know, it's a little much at other times too, to where I'd like, you know, and I, I, I could, and I've done a pretty good job of hiring some great people, a lot of great free, freelancers to, to get a lot of things off my plate. But, you know, it's the buck stops here. So, like, I have to always constantly be on top of everything. And that is, uh, you know, it takes energy. So it can't always sometimes do exactly what I want to do. It has to be what needs to be done. And that happens too also with a corporate job, but I think it's just a little bit more intense and matters more when your own company, because you know, I can affect it, which is also the fun part. I can change my numbers in a couple months and I can make three X, right? Or I can lose a third, right? <laughs> sure. So do you, um, when, when you're, yeah as he's going through this process and you know, we're watching him, he's changing his attire. He's, he's owning himself a little bit more. It's such a double-edged sword, whether you're working for yourself, right? And you're the boss or whether you are at a corporation, small, medium, large, doesn't matter as a, as a corporate gig, a nine to five, if you will, owning yourself and who you are. What do you think the, the perils are in that as well as the rewards? So um, I'll, I'll answer the question kind of a roundabout way. I, I think there's, we all have pillars to our life uh, to like, uh, and the more pillars you have that like make you happy, right? So some people, they invest so much in their job and they, that makes them happy, but they don't really have a second or third pillar. I think you have to have uh, professional happiness. You have to have your kind of family happiness. Some people have to have a spiritual happiness. Um, I think the more pillars that you can create, like, so I love, I love sand volleyball, right. And working out those are no, those other pillars because some of these are going to be taken from you. So like, say if your job gets taken from you, you can't be nothing else, right. You have to have these other ones to fall back on, whether it's great friends, family, you know, uh, social, whatever it might be. It could be inter internet related where you're big on some form or whatever it might be, but the more pillars you can have, the more complete of a person so that way you're not relying on just one thing. Because if you only rely on that one thing, then if that thing changes or suddenly makes you unhappy, then you have nothing else. Um, so the more complete of a person you are, the better, I guess. No, that's, that's, beautiful. that's beautifully put. And it's, it's very true. Uh, people, when I, I remember I had this, I was uh, an executive at this PR firm and 
I would tell people like, oh, what you have to spend an hour and you know watch a TV show, read magazines, nothing client related. In fact, if it's in the purview of what our clients do, you can't do it. And you know the the owners are like, what are you doing? No, 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 billable hours, billable hours, billable hours. I go rounded, rounded people, rounded people, well-rounded people. Their billability and who they are and the ability to share a story because they just watched Good Morning America is different. I mean, we are sitting in a room once and I had told them before, I'm like, you guys just turn on the TV, just watch something. Just not CNBC. Just what they turn on Good Morning America. Client comes in, they're talking. You know, am I with my dad being blind? It's kind of a struggle. And gal puts her, she goes, excuse me, you know, it's it's um, international uh, blind person's day or whatever they, they call it, right? And she goes, you know, it's a, uh, where's your dad at? You know, they've got, they're actually doing a lot of help and a lot of work. And this client's like, excuse me, what? Totally off topic. Veers the conversation down a rabbit hole. Starts making phone calls. Boom, boom, boom. Dad's getting more help. Client signed up. So yeah, you lost $85 of billable hours. You lost 85 bucks. But you gained a $15,000 a month client. Now, I know that doesn't happen all the time. But because the ratios are so extreme, it doesn't have to. I, I think there's a lot of pieces to that. One is we always try to find um, areas of com commonality when we mm -hmm. like look for somebody, whether that's somebody in business or a relationship or just a, a buddy. Like, and we always try to find those. So the more well-rounded you are, the more you can find those areas. Another thought too is like, if you're so knee deep in your area, you get kind of lost on the general like pulse of the world or the people or, or different groups. Like for instance, um, Jamie, I was listening to Jamie Foxx and he was saying, you know, he's, he got finally got all rich, all this. And then he stopped hanging out in normal places and normal things. And he would go out and bomb because he started making like rich people jokes and he wasn't relating at all. Like, he's like, I had to stop that. I had to like be a normal person again because I wasn't funny. Like I wasn't relatable. I wasn't real anymore. I thought I was cool and I wasn't, you know, because, and, and, and the great pulse of all this though is the market. Like you signing up that client was saying the market was saying that was, that was a good move on your part. You know, and of course there's a balance of how much extra time they spend or not, but you know, the more people you're rewarded for things that are, that are working. So, you know, um, anyway. No, you're, you're right. I mean, it, it, those reward systems, I mean, some are put in place just because I want people to be better and I just want them to just have different information in their brain. That's A. And then B, the reward system of being different, I just believe it can make you better. You know, I've talked to HR people and they're like, oh man, I saw this person and they had all these, this huge, really diverse background and uh, we really just hire for X, Y, and Z. They said, yeah, but you're hiring someone to be, theoretically a good worker in a changing environment it's also a problem solver they have figured out nine different ways instead of looking and rejecting the person because they've had nine different careers over uh, you know nine different jobs over 12 years maybe ask what problems they solve or what led to that if there's a part of them that's interesting and they're just like well why and you know we just want someone with 10 years of experience in b2b e-commerce uh, SaaS platform that does no Salesforce. Right. Like, but you're also speaking to an HR person that's probably only done HR their whole life. 
Yeah. And, they, and, so, and they're a little bit broken, right? Because it's, it is, you just want to replace, I think that's the, the, the thing where I probably break down as a, as a person who's looked for jobs. Well, me, me as well. I think we're both very similar here is like, you've done like a million things the same with me. Like literally, I don't even know the number. <laughs> I'm not saying jobs so much too, because a lot of these have been like little projects and tasks. And I, I owned a cologne and, and perfume kiosk in the mall for like a season, one season just to try it. You know, like I, I get excited in all different areas, right? It, I don't need to be e-commerce marketing all the time. That's where I made most of my money, right? But that doesn't mean that's the only thing I'm excited about. Yeah, it's true. But I think, I think it's also, it's the, it's, the, it's the idea that companies have to figure out, am I replacing Bob with another Bob? Could be male or female, doesn't matter. I just want that same person in that seat. Or do I want that division, that job, that title, that area to grow? And if they just want to replace Bob with Bob, that's fine. Yeah. And then, well, what, why do we need an HR person to do that? I mean, it's like yeah. an algorithm could do that. Uh, by the way, I just have to say, this is, this is a fantastic platform. It is kind of hard though, because I like, you know, I'm like listening to you, listening to the movie, movie and then I also <laughs> want to make a point. But it's, it's also great for, I think, people like you and, you and I, because we are big, we talk a lot, and we have a lot to say. <laughs> uh, but I think it's very enjoyable. Um, for instance, if I start saying something that is not interesting or I start rambling, you can just pay attention to the movie. Yeah. No, like, people are like, um, Jason, you're done talking? Okay, I have something. That, now let's get this. <laughs> I was just watching the movie for a while. Just, just a time movie. check here. Uh, I'm at uh, 54.15. Where, where are you at? Still, still about at, the same? Yeah, 54.20. So about yeah, mine had, mine, my, my had a, which I think is still fine. Mine had a couple little, quite little freezes, like a little just glitch. Um, but close enough. Uh, you, you know, there's, we just saw that part. There's a little bit of darkness in this film as well, right? The guy drinks and tries to commit suicide. His wife ruins. But I, but that, but it, but it's a joke because he becomes happy because of it. Yeah, and then he gets hit. <laughs> Bad <laughs> drunk driver. Bad drunk. And, and there's gonna be a quote up here soon. He goes, you know, if you're lucky, you, or something like, you could be lucky like me someday or something like that yeah. uh is it a full body cast he's lucky like me just someday it is uh it's interesting have you ever done carpools as in like what, like like you get your you have you you're friends with people at work and some person drives by and picks everybody up no i wish i w that would have been nice but no not really random occurrences but not daily i've never ever been i mean i've seen carpooling in movies i've yeah. heard of people doing it i've never seen it never it's just not it's just not a thing do you think that this scene right the the scene where they are and you're a couple seconds behind but they they throw the copier out the window and they're beating it up mm -hmm. yeah this is I, the best scene i mean i feel like this started a movement that we still like now it's gone from this to my kid was doing something weird on their phone, chick, chick, get out the shotgun, blast the phone away. And they're like, that's what I, and I'm like, um, did you pay for that phone? You know, Verizon is not going to just stop the payment plan on that phone because you right. took Billy's phone and blew it in half. It's a but funny story. Like, is they, act, 
they actually hired a uh, like fight choreographer for this because, and they're like, what you would do if you're in the mafia, you wouldn't, you wouldn't like touch your buddy. You would just like give him the bat, right? Like, you know, you would just like hand it over. You wouldn't, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, I can go so many different directions. I think it's great to take your aggression on, out on this, this inanimate objects. And then he grabs the fucking printer. <laughs> The trunk's open. It's just, what do you, I mean, you know, that's, that, that was a trend too. And it kind of seems like it is a little bit, right? Uh, whether it's axe throwing or gun ranges, or they have those destruction camps where you walk in, you get a baseball bat, you can break dishes, a sledgehammer, hit steel. Is there a part of us that is so removed from physicalness that because of the, the world that we live in and the soft edges that we have, that we need things like that? Yeah, well, it shows the imbalance is that we're, you know, we have some basically basic needs that we're not fulfilling. Mm -hmm. Like if you're not camping, like you could do it by going to camping and, but not, but for real, like I was a boy scout growing up. Like my first time I took my, she was my girlfriend at the time, but my wife camping, like I taught her nice skills, how to start a fire without a match. Like, let's go chop. We're going to chop our own wood. We're going to work our ass off. And it's amazing, right? But if you don't get some of that stuff, you're not building something, you're not doing something, you're going to go to the extremes. And that's why a lot of people like these TV shows that are, are people doing these crazy things, living in Alaska by themselves or going through these, you know, these crazy jobs. It's because there is the imbalance and the need for that, right? And if you're attracted to that, you should probably ask why you're attracted to that. And how can you do it not just the third Saturday of that month to where you pay 150 bucks and go do it? Why not think about why you're having those fun feelings and needs? On the opposite side, I think it's a great business model <laughs> because I also think it's a good time. And even with me, I think I get in balance, but I recognize it. I try to fulfill that, you know, that need healthily. It with whether it's just going for a bike ride or to go build something in the garage or whatever, but um, I think it's a, I think you pointed out a fantastic thing though that it, we were very imbalanced as society because we don't know where to be now because we don't you don't need to hunt and gather anymore. You can click on the computer and make a make a living and have all the food you ever want, abundance of food. Yeah, right? shelters there every day. You know, you don't, you don't need a fire for a hit to do heat, right? It's interesting you brought up camping because that, that is, that part is so true. And there are certain things that when you accomplish them, and sometimes it's a little accomplishment and it's just about the accomplishment is enjoyment of something. Like go to a baseball game and order a hot dog and then make one at home. Well, which one's better? The hot dog at the baseball game is better. And you could be having a great time at home, but it just, it's not that. or going camping and you're hiking through the mountains to find your spot and just the hike there, the wake oh, up morning without the phone too. Like yeah. give yourself a little anxiety with it. Like yeah. how do I get back? No yeah. GPS. Like you could even just go drive without a phone for a little bit. If you want to start small, like, yeah. you know, you need a little bit of let's figure it out myself. I used to, I used to, um, you know, before all this happened, I'd take a day twice a week and I just drive through the hill country. No phone. Just I'm gonna turn left here. I'm gonna turn right here. 
oh, look, I'm on a dirt road. Oh, I'm just cruising through this area, not knowing what I'm going to see, not knowing anything, not knowing where I'm at, and not caring because it was just, I was in, it was an escape. There was a moment when I could just escape. And whether it's like now I'm big into bike riding and I try to get out and do, you know, 14 to 20 miles a day and just get out there and do it and track it and track my elevation and everything. But that point of exhaustion and that riding and not knowing where I'm going to be or what if I turn here, where do I go? Whether it's on a trail or even on the streets. Well, did the bike trail just end? Okay, well, it's a narrow road. Oh, shit. How fast can I pedal? Because I want to get back to the bike trail, but I don't want to abandon this road. And I think a question we all should ask ourselves, and maybe you know the answer, but when was the last time you've been truly exhausted? Like, oh no, exhausted. Yeah. And I think that, I think the answer to that is none of us have been that way. I think we thought we were there, but we were probably only like, 30% exhausted and we thought we were 100 or, or 90. We were probably only like 30 because you, I used to wrestle in high school and you find out some serious things about yourself. Zero, what we think is zero is not zero. We're, we're only touching it. Um, and that's some of the that stuff, right? And, and I think that's some extremes. I think the first steps might be, hey, go drive without knowing where you're going and get yourself a little lost and then be able to get back. But you know, maybe it is, you know, if you want to keep pushing that, like, let's go for that bike ride and go without GPS or phone and go for longer than you ever have in one direction and then go home, right? And you'll get home. It just, you're going to really start, you'll change some stuff in your mind because your mind will start really having to help yourself get home. Yeah. And there, there was a, I was, I took a ride out and I got down on, I was like 1826. And in my mind, the distance to where I needed to be was shorter than it was to get to loop back home. And the road did get narrow. And there was no trail off to the side for mountain bikes. And it was hairy. And it was uncomfortable. And it was just, you know, it was, it was, it was unique and different. But at the same time, it was cumbersome and awkward and I didn't know exactly where I was but I, I don't have my phone in front of me I, I put it in the backpack and I, and I can't stop to grab it because the road's narrow there's no shoulder so it's just uh, I kind of know where I am oh oh man I am really far away oh okay well but then you figure it out and then you get a little excited and then all of a sudden you see a couple of big hills and you're like shit okay let's get the energy up and then I know two things uh I know that I got five bucks and I know that there's not a store around for me to buy anything if I'm thirsty, <laughs> but I got my five bucks. So you're right. You know, you're not dying. I'm not dying. You're not going to die. You're not dying. Yeah. Not and dying. I think that's, that's a fun thing. But the thing is you have experience. I, I always say that if you want to slow down time, create new experiences because the way our, our mind works is if the day is just like the day before we forget it. Yeah. But that was a new experience that you remembered. Now, was it like some amazing, powerful experience? Maybe, maybe not. doesn't matter. Just it was new because your brain will remember the new experiences. And now that we're older, like it's hard to make new experiences. Like we've all been on the lake and had a good time. Like, you know, that was amazing the first three times. It's still amazing, but now we forget it sometimes, right? Uh, so you have to kind of constantly be like, what's different or new 
I've never done before. And, and usually a little uncomfortable. I think we have a little bit of a, uh, too much enjoyment for comfort, comfortality in America, but. No, I agree with you. I mean, I, I would do something as simple as I would drive to work a different way, or I go to meet a friend at a coffee shop. I would just go a different route. Uh, I take my daughter to school in different ways when she went to school, right? You just go in different, different ways. And it was just, one, it just kept me awake. Two, yeah. I would just see different things. I would see different parents. Uh, I would see different actions of, of parents. I always say, if you want to know why kids are rude or why you think disrespect has gone downhill, watch parents at drop-off <laughs> at an elementary oh or grade school. <laughs> That's brutal. That is the last place I want to be. It's chaos. People are driving around. People, two-lane roads are turning into three-lane roads. You know, it's, uh, they're, they're, they're playing Frogger with their kid trying to cross the street. And I'm just, you're just blown away. I mean, you're just, what, what are you guys doing? And they look at each other like with death eyes too, oh, you know? yeah. Can't believe Tammy's in front of me. But, oh, it's hilarious. But it's, you know, oh. Have you ever uh, done just, that? Have you ever done that the, to the boss? Just giving him the bird? Um, not, no, no, not. I never was like, that is fun, right? I never was that way. I don't know. I've been fired mm -hmm. for sure a couple times. Uh, more of the smaller jobs. Um, but I, I don't ever feel like I had something to say like, like that, right? I don't, I think, and I'm a little bit more of a stoic to where like other people, I try not to let them bother me. It's more me versus me, right? Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, I don't think somebody would bother me that much. I would, I would be more upset myself for staying, I think. Yeah, I did one gig. I was SVP of marketing for a company and we were in New York and it was me and the CFO and the CEO uh, and a couple other people. And the hotel we were at was, it was bad. I mean, I found hair on my towels every morning. So one morning I walked down buck naked with just a pillow over my front area and set the towel down. I go, obviously not my hair. Can I please get a hair free towel i'm tired of this and everyone wow. in the lobby is just like oh and then the next day my check bounced my direct deposit didn't go through it bounced and there was no hot water so i'm in new york it's winter time there's no hot water i've got dirty sheets dirty towels in this shitty hotel and they're like, hey, you're coming down to the trade show? I'm like, no. They're like, what? I'm like, no. I, uh, and I'm out. I'm out. And so I finally, my, the CFO and I were friends, and he goes, hey, can you please just come down? And I was like, yeah, I'll make it down there. But it's just, you know, I'm not rushing down. I'm waiting for warm water. And he goes, but you take cold showers at home. I go, yeah, that's when I'm at home, and it's my choice. Yeah, and it's different ones your choice. This is something different. And I go, by the way, when do we get paid? Because I don't work for free. So I need to get paid for the work I've done, you know, and there's, there's expenses here and I'm concerned. So you want me to take an Uber over to the convention center? That's great. But is that going to get reimbursed or is that on me? And so we end up going through this whole thing. Well, I finally get there and do a couple of media interviews and we, we're, we're moving right along. And all of a sudden, uh, 
the CEO grabs me and he goes, hey, you know, I just want to let you know you're just a baby. He goes, so what if you didn't get paid? Are you here for the money or are you here to yes. make this company great? Both. Go, well, your great company doesn't pay my bills. So yeah. I'm right now, I'm here for the money. He goes, yeah, you're a baby. And I said, listen, um, I know we don't know each other that well. I've been working together for about six months, but I'm still a hillbilly from Montana. And I, growing up, had very limited problem-solving skills. And they were yell at you, or if you talk to me this way, grab you by the throat and throw you across the fucking room. So right. please, please don't talk to me that way. Yeah, back up. And he got closer to me and he grabbed my arm and he goes, listen, I need loyal employees and obviously you're just a fucking baby and you're not one of them. And we we're on a trade show and I took my business cards out from the inside of my jacket and I fanned them right in his face. I put my hand gently on his chest and I moved myself back. And I said, I'm going to leave now. And if you try to follow me, there will be a very embarrassing incident for both of us. You need to learn to shut the fuck up. And I Stop. walked out, called JetBlue, got on the, I was in downtown, I was in Manhattan. Boom. I was at JFK in 45 minutes. I told this cab driver, I was like, dude, I got a flight in two hours. He's like, what? It was like 1230, one o'clock. I said, please. He's like, I'll get you there, brother. You'll make the flight. Yeah. Boom. Came home. I was home two days early. My wife's like, what is going on? I don't even know if I'm going to get paid for this. Any of this yeah. stuff. Yeah. Probably not. I did. Oh, no. He was, uh, the, uh, some things came through for them that I had set up. And Sounds also like he might have been projected on you. He probably had some... Um, Probably had some stuff, and I and I look back and I I could have handled it better, right? I mean, I could have. Auto well, so so that's one of those things where I was talking about where I, you know, you saw and you acted right away. Where I there's been times where I knew my my intuition said, okay, this is bad. Let's 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 get going. But I, I didn't act as fast. I didn't leave as fast. I think I always try to fix things, right? I want to be a fixer, and you probably there probably wasn't enough fixing to be done in a short period of time. Time, time, to, time to pack up and go. Time to pack up and go. Time. Take, it, take things in a different direction though. So, so how is, you know, COVID? What, what's going on with you guys? Like what, how, how is that happening right now? Like are you affected greatly, barely, somewhat? Greatly. It's a big impact. Um, it's a big impact in, in a lot of ways. Uh, I mean, my wife financially impacted. She's in the healthcare business. Oh, uh, yeah. But she's not considered a, uh, an essential employee. So her on uh, the arm of her business what she's doing is really shutting down as they're trying to do webinars on wound care and all these other things then people just aren't showing up and they just don't care because the system was not built with remote in mind the system was built for hands-on and that goes for both parties you know yeah. uh financial services world is mortgage side is crushed right now especially in the non-qm side it's in the capital markets are in such flux and there's so much craziness going on that there's nothing that can be done. So, you know, those, the, the financial aspects, and then because of how I work, right, I'm a freelancer or I'm a 1099, but I work for a company in California, so I don't get unemployment. It just doesn't work. It just, I just don't get it. I mean, 
They did supposed to extend it to gig gig, gig workers or whatever, but I just don't think you're not going to be in the level in-state gig workers. Yeah. And plus also that'd be like $400. (laughs) Yeah. They're going to change things. That's beer money. I mean, so what's interesting. And one thing I, and I'll get back to you. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, no, please do. Um, Is like, so for me, so I'm, I'm the online guy, right? You want to make something happen online. You want to do more. That's me. So I'm busier than normal in some ways. So my photo video company is literally losing $30,000 gigs left and right. But my marketing company is busier. Just, I mean, it's the slam. So um, what opportunities is, so to me, like I was talking to my accountant today. I'm like, you know, this is much easier to do it virtually anyway. We should have been doing this the whole time. I don't, you know, I'm like, this is what people are going to do. They're going to do this virtually with you. So why don't you start getting customers in El Paso and Houston and, and Dallas? Like what, you don't need to just be in Austin now and people aren't going to care. So th- like that was just a quick thought that I had for opportunity for him. What opportunities do you think is going to come out of this? That is my thought process. So often every single day I'm asking my, that question like seven times. So I want to know if you have any answer for that because that is the future, right? It is. And part of it is the future, right? There's not going to be a return to normal. There'll be a return, but there won't be a return to normal. And so then it comes down to, you know, and I take that moment, right? Like what I just shared and I I put that over to the left. I'm like, that's just reality. It happened. It's going to happen. It just is. You miss out on things. Things don't work. Okay, fine. It is what it is. But to your point, what do you do then? I mean, one, like I got a lot more aggressive with this podcast, uh, putting out content and having fun and and engaging people and, you know, just, hey, you want to have a smile and a drink? Great. Let's do it. Let's just, let's hang out and do it though, because it's a good time and sharing that good time with people and watching the numbers go up and, and, uh, and realizing that there were some things that I was caught in a rut on when it came to this podcast that I've broken out of because of this. you know, that I get to do science experiments and hang out with my kid a lot more and just do, I mean, we made, you know, hard, soft slime today where it's, it's jiggly when you touch it, but when it's in the bowl and you try to move it, it's solid. Right. And so yeah. we played with that a little bit. We had some fun and uh, those are just opportunity. Yeah, I got to look at it as uh, opportunities are a, are a dime a dozen. The, the reaction or how you embrace them or what you do with them is what counts. So the big bike rides, you know, being gone for an hour, hour and 20 minutes a day of riding is great mental health for me. It really is like just amazing mental health and I, I love it and I enjoy it. Uh, and then when it comes to work, I mean, at the end of the day, strategically, on a high level, people are always going to ask for help. They're going to need to manage themselves out of a crisis or they're going to need to manage growth in some capacity and learn how to and have to know how to communicate that. And I'm here and ready for them when they're ready to do it. And I'll reach out to my network and I'll do more inside of my network uh, to make that happen, knowing that that is just the fundamental change that's, that, is, that is coming around and that you know, everyone has to be more online savvy in how they communicate, how they market, you know, all the other things that they do. So fundamentally, it is the bigger change is more of, me reflecting on myself and where I found my creature comforts, right? I, I found that comfort in, oh, I've got a financial services, big wig job. 
but I felt, but I, that's not where I should find my comfort. I should find my comfort in my family, in my friends, in my passions. That should be a tool that allows me more comfort with my family, my friends, and my passions. Do you, and think, it, you'll keep, do you think you'll keep it though? Like after this is when things get back to normal? Yeah, uh, I will because it's just me. I'm an appetite person that way. Uh, I will, I'll embrace this and this will be a win and a loss for me in a lot of ways because I'll preach this. I will preach the, hey, all right, things are kind of back to normal, but how much, how much are you letting people work from home? Well, we're not anymore. That's over. Okay, then I can't help you. Yeah, yeah, right. that, 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 that was false. It was always <laughs> false. We all knew that was false. Now it's proven to be false, right? There is some jobs, obviously, but the majority of jobs, yeah, you can work from home, obviously, especially yeah. now. Especially now. And, and the technology is there, but also it, it comes down to a very important thing. Trust. Do you believe people are working? And if you don't, why don't you? But and that's the raw. I think that's actually, I do think trust, but I think are they working is, should it's the wrong question is, are they productive? Yeah. That's I, it took to me a it. long time to, to, I still had this nine, eight to five mentality that I had to be at my computer eight to five and then even working for myself for years. And I've had my own companies for years, but they were more brick and mortars were my first ones. So, you know, they had an open and close sign, right? You know, nine to seven or whatever. So it was kind of forced that I realized that I'm not very good at like from two or 3 p.m. to about four or five, but I'm really fantastic at 9 p.m. to midnight, right? Mm -hmm. So why should I, I still even sometimes feel bad playing tennis or volleyball at 2 p.m. when I've already blocked out the schedule? Nobody's calling me. Nobody's relying on me. No, no, no we're not launching a project. Why is that? Like, it doesn't matter if I'm more productive and I do it at 7 p.m., right? Because that's what works for my schedule, right? Sure. So I think the, the I think I think we worry that we're not measuring productivity productivity very well, and we blame the employee for it. So that way we say, okay, well, I want to watch you, which is mm -hmm. terror. That's like old world industrial re revolution things. Um, and yeah, and then I think also the other thing is we don't trust the employee. And sometimes the employee doesn't trust the company. So there is some of that that actually is truthful. True. But if, you, if we both trust each other, then who cares how many hours you're working as long as you're productive and you're doing what, the best things for the company uh, and, I would, and, en and enough. And I would say also it's the company and you have to decide, are you doing your job and you're just punching the ticket or are you doing your job and trying to evolve and grow with the company or help the company evolve and grow. And what I mean by that is, you know, I can do, whether I read a press release in five minutes or five hours, is inconsequential to the fact the that the press release got written. Because the value is all we care about. The value is all we care about. And too many people are caught up on the time, not the value. Or, but, see, but you might have took you 20 years to write the press release. Yeah. yeah. But seriously. So what does it matter? Like if I pay, so this is a very um, hot topic in the creative community, you know, cause a lot of people t trade the time for about time for money. And sure. I'm like, your clients do not care how many hours you put in the project. They want it, the project done. They want good communication. They want it done on time. Yep. That's what they care about. They don't care that you took you 10 hours or 500 hours. Like 
That is not what they're paying you for. They're paying you for that end product to be done and with good communication. Um, and a lot of creatives just don't get that. They, that just so lost on them. And, it, and, and I try so hard to change that narrative. But, um, but don't you think that's because they're, it's some place their matrix is broken a little bit that they've got to realize they're an end product person, not an hourly person. And if you're trying to be an hourly person in an end product game or an end product business, which is, which is creativity. I mean, I hire writers all the time. I work with artists all the time, creating small magazines and stuff, you know, private client stuff, get it out really high net worth, uh, beautiful, beautiful pieces. I don't care if it takes my writer a day or seven weeks. I don't care. I want it done on this day. I need it delivered, all the content on this day. And I'm going to pay you this much. Right. And if it takes you 500 hours, you're like, well, I didn't make that much. You know, my hour to work ratio is, is off. Okay. That's on you. And, and be a more and, efficient and, writer. And, and, but see, you're already, you're already two steps ahead because you're saying, well, this is the, you're outlying the rules of the game very well is this is the date it needs to be done by, and this is the, this is the budget. A lot of people don't even get there. And it's very interesting because like you could have the, the most amazingly talented director of photography, which is like the person who sets up all the video stuff. But if they can't get from, just working that to saying, okay, well, I can work with a client and I can say that I'll do it for this flat rate and it will be done at this time, which is so hard for them to move towards. They literally have to have somebody like me or another producer that I hire to sit there and say all that. And they're losing a third, like they're making a third of the money because they, they don't know how to like schedule things and structure things, even to the most basic amount of this is the cost and this is the time it'll be done by. They want to get in the minutia of it's going to take me 18 hours and this and this. Oh, this is hard. Let me tell you all the reasons why it's hard. And it's really hard. Like, and you know, you, you see it, you hear that and it sounds crazy because it's so simple, but it, for some reason, it just seems like it's a very difficult process for a lot of people. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, you know, uh, the hardest part when the creatives that I work with is that I say, I don't care. And they think I don't care about them or I don't care right. about the end product. I'm like, no, no, no. I'm assuming that you're great at this. So I don't need the story right. <laughs> about how you went from grade school to here and how valuable your time is. If you can get it done in two minutes and I'm paying you $10,000, good for you. Good for right. you. I, I love it. Hey, real quick question here. You see at the end, a red stapler man, he's on the beach. He's, yeah. he's, he's laundered away. He's, he's amazing. Uh, we also see our main character. He is uh, doing construction, cleanup, and enjoying it. In the bizarro world, what is, uh, what's Darren's alternate dream job? Oh, alternate dream job. Wow. Well, my dream job, which I think we design our own world, so we'd be probably traveling around the world doing photography and video. So I get to do that somewhat. We travel quite a bit. And I get to do that, but I don't always do it for pay. A lot of times I do it mm -hmm. for trade. Like when I got engaged, I traded the hotel to have this awesome little place on, right on the beach in Tulum, Mexico. So I'm, I, get, I get to be there uh, part of the time, 
So uh, I don't care to be there full time because I think that's a, it might ruin it. And maybe that's just me saying that, but I like to do it on my own terms a little bit. So I I, I do it on my own terms. And what was in your mind, what's the most ridiculous job? You never got it, but you thought, oh, I could have done that. Ooh, I don't know what I've, I mean, I think even some CEOs and stuff now, I think I thought, you know, I mean, well, very, very, very true. I mean, when I was younger, like, I just thought they were going to be so much smarter than me and like, and not that I'm a dumb person, but I'm like, a lot of times it's not, there's some luck involved and some, some key decisions involved, but you know, I think Steve Jobs said that like, you know, the world was built by nobody smarter than you. Like it's, they aren't some super different person, you know? So I think if you want it and you're willing to sacrifice for it, like you can have anything. It just depends on like, what are you going to sacrifice for? And I think one of the things I've done sometimes is I've sacrificed a lot for maybe not the biggest prize, right? I got the, I got a prize that I strive for, but it wasn't probably the prize I should have been, should have been striving for. Sure. Yeah. I, uh, when I was a kid growing up, I had a dream that I wanted to have a riding lawnmower and I wanted to mow the grass on the side of the highways. Like I was going to travel from town to town and there was going to be, you know, mowed grass on each side of the highway. So you could easy, more easily see deer and animals could cross the road without fear because they'd see the cars. This is my ridiculous dream job. And then it went from that to, uh, I, was, I was running around and I was just being a kid. And I thought, man, I mean, I never once thought of a job in PR, never once thought of a job in sales, never once thought of a job in strategy. You know, and, and then I found myself like creating unique experiences for people in experiential marketing. And I never, everything I've done, I've never thought I was going to do. Yeah. And I actually have a quick, quick answer now that yeah. I thought about it. It was a professional baseball player was my alternate reality job. And I'm so glad I'm not one, by the way. <laughs> Seriously, like that life would have been terrible. It's, like, because I probably been just good enough probably at my level that I was at, I probably could have made it to like a low level minor leaguer. That's like terrible life. That's not but I didn't know that at the time. That's a hard life. Dude, you're making no, you're making nothing and you're like, you don't have a home. You're eating yeah. PB and J's every day. Like selling insurance in the off season. Probably. Yeah. 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 Not crazy. And, and then building no resume. Yeah. No, no, no. Not at all, right? You're just like, hey, I'm good with this ball. <laughs> I'm a team player. <laughs> me, me throw hard. Yeah. Me throw hard, me good team player. That's what I got. That's, that's all I got. Yeah. No, I'm so glad that I got, uh, you know, business was a thing early in my life. And uh, I actually had a tough time with that for a bit. And I came to Austin in 2008 and I played here for a little bit, just Central Texas Baseball League. It was not like super high end, but not – but there were some ballers for sure. And there was some bad players too. And I was fi- good enough to where like, I had like that. Okay, I'm done. You know, I'm good. It's not, you know, cause you start wondering like if you were terrible too and all this. So I got my closure out of it and I'm so glad that it's not even a sport that I love anymore uh, to play. Cause it's too hard on your body too. So like, you know, I play sand volleyball now to where like I can dive in the sand and nobody, nobody gets hurt. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Well, listen, man, uh, I greatly appreciate this. As I, I tell people a lot uh, on this other podcast, and I'm, I'm doing it here now, is we're going to make and lose money. We are going to make and lose clients. 
we are going to have bananas go bad and we can go buy new ones. But the one thing um, we don't get back is time. So to spend, you know, a little over an hour and a half with me and just to bullshit and have a good time and laugh and get serious and talk about dreams and, and everything else in between, uh, it's, it's always a pleasure. So thank you for the time and, uh, and for making it. I really, really do appreciate it. Well, I appreciate the invite and it was fantastic. It was uh, quite enjoyable. So uh, I, I, thanks for having me on the show and, uh, you know, let me know when it's going to be released. I'll promote, I'll promote it a, a ton. Well, I will definitely do that. Thank you very much. And now is everyone's favorite time when they get to hear my daughter sing about the first time she took a poop. Darren, thank you. I'll talk to you soon, brother. Be good. All right. Cheers. Cheers.